rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, the podcast brought to you by DAC alums who debate about gun control laws in the United States. But first, we talk about Drexel basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Hello, Governor. Nikki Cherry. What's up, guys? Uh, Bill Martin. Hey. And I am your host, Leon McConnell. And as uh, is kind of typical in this season so far, I guess we are back here uh, after a, ga- a stretch where we didn't even win a game. Last time we met, we only didn't lose a game. Before that, we hadn't won a game. So I guess it was uh, time for things to come back around. And we've been on a four-game stretch, starting for Townsend, where we couldn't seem to get a win. So I, uh, I, I, we cover these games one by one. But I think what I did want to talk at least a little bit about the very first game, the Townsend game. It was the only home game in this three-game stretch. And another thing to keep in mind, I guess the, we've, this four-game stretch, we probably played the top three teams in the CAA, so it was a difficult four-game stretch. But uh, the Townsend game was definitely winnable. Bill, what happened, do you think, in that game that ended up us not walking away with that W? Well, we pretty much just blew the game. I mean, the, the main thing was Austin Williams got hurt, and it seemed like our defense kind of fell apart after he went out. We had some lapses. There was one play in particular, I remember, where Isabel could have got out on a three-point shooter, and he just left him wide open. He drained it. There was just numerous breakdowns, and plays, but I think Austin Williams, if he, if he was in the game, um, instead of heading to the bench with an injury, I think we probably would have pulled the game out. But when he went down, that's when it, that's when it turned. I think it's a cop-out to say that we should have, like, we would have won, or, like, the reason why we didn't win was because Austin went out, because we had a seven-point lead with two minutes left. I know that, it, and I agree with what you're saying, that it affected us, and it definitely did. It helped them come back. But we had a big enough cushion. We should have been able to pull us one out, and we blew it. No, we, we definitely still should have won. And we missed a bunch of free throws, too, which I probably should have mentioned, which really killed us. I think we got that, that technical foul. Kirk Lee had one out of two. And then Sammy had the front end of a one and one and I think he missed. And that was pretty much let them back in the game, too. So. I mean, Austin, I think, was the was the catalyst that started our downfall. Still should have won the game. We had 18-point lead basically with 10 minutes left, 11 minutes left in the game. And I think that's about when Austin got hurt, if I'm remembering correctly. You, so I agree with Nick on the one hand. Like, we should be able to hold an 18-point lead even without Austin for 10 minutes. But at the same time, if Austin does play those final 10, 11 minutes or eight of those 10, 11 minutes, we probably don't blow a lead. So I... I Agree with both of you on that. He's the reason we lost, but we should have been able to win even with his absence. Yeah, I think if we hit those free throws, like uh, Bill mentioned, we probably still would have won. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like once the Townsend team kind of went on a went on one of their runs with I think Zane Martin and Mike Morsel over there couldn't miss over for a good few minutes over there, and it seemed that they looked unstoppable. They were taking uh, initially at least some well defended shots that they were draining, and towards the end of the game, I guess our we had a couple of defensive lapses that gave open looks, but uh, they were playing out of their mind. And uh, given the opportunities that we had, we couldn't just put them away. And this was a tough one because once it went to OT, I think uh, it, it, it seemed like the game was about to get away from us. I was hoping the game wouldn't go to OT. I mean, the game in a game where Tremaine puts up 30, Kirk has a decent enough game, and all hand shows up. I, there's no reason we should be walking away with a loss. This one really hurts. I think it, we had a lot of momentum coming into this, and we lost a lot of it, and it carried over to the other games. Uh, and, you know, we, we played well this game, for, and I think we lost some aggressiveness. 
right in the right in the second half of the second half. You know, Tremaine did fire up a lot of shots. Kirk Lee had 16 shots. Uh, you know, he, he hit a couple threes. He had 20 points. Kirk had a good game. He had, that's the exact kind of game I want Kirk to have, minus the assist to turnover. I wish he had some more assists. But if he's not running point, he's not going to get those assists. Demir had a good game. I, and I remember us in the first half rebounding pretty well. I think, you know, I, it doesn't break down the rebounds by half here, but I feel like we lost some aggressiveness when we got up 18. And we definitely lost uh, momentum when Austin went out. But you got to find a way to keep that. And I think that's the coaching. That's, that's a, what the coaches need to do or a leader in the huddle to keep the momentum. You're doing so just another six minutes. Find a way. Keep fighting, clawing. And I think we, lost, we, we got stung by the injury. We lost that. They took advantage of it. Then they got hot. Like you said, Mike Morsel couldn't miss. I remember like a couple corner threes, and you know, we just lost all of our, our swagger. But unfortunately, I think it carried over to the other games. Did Towson change their game plan when Austin went out? I'm trying to remember if they started attacking the basket more at that point. I wouldn't say they changed their game plan. It just seemed to work better once Austin was not there. Because, yeah. the, you know, you didn't, you didn't have that threat anymore of uh, a swatter in there. And mm-hmm. Austin's having... For the, for, you know, he's still about, what, uh, leading the league in blocks and about 20 ahead of the guy behind him. Yeah. And he's having a great year from specifically that stat. <laughs> yeah. He, and that's, and one of the bigger, he's, there's been multiple games this season where it's come down to a last minute block or last two minutes, there's a block by him that's critical for us to win. And there yeah. was, he wasn't there this time around to, uh, to provide that. Uh, Tyshawn, unfortunately, uh, is pretty much just a foul magnet. Uh, and uh, without him, it's it's uh, it was a good preview maybe for what's going to happen next year to a certain extent because we don't have that defensive big yet, at least. Uh, I don't know if one of uh, if Tim Perry can show up and be that. Hopefully, but hope. it was a it was a set, it was the beginning of a preview we'd get into what next year could look like. Uh, but yeah, this you brought up a good point, Nick. It was. This is kind of the beginning of a, of a little bit of a skid that we had, is, uh, because the, and understandably, but the next game, we, we, next three games, we were traveling. So College of Charleston, best team in the CAA, right? So what do you guys happened uh, in this game? It didn't look like we had much of a shot in the second half, but in the first half, we hung in there. What do you guys think happened from the first half of the second half to actually get, uh, have the game completely get away from us? And this one, from what I remember... Um, we were hanging tough with them. I think we were tied at 56 with 10 minutes left. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, we just stopped playing defense. That's what I <laughs> – they were driving, getting layups. That, that, And then this is something we started to see a lot in the Northeastern game, but that, uh, that screen, um, someone drives, or, or the guard gets beat way too easily. Um, someone comes over to help and then they pass it to the other guy for a dunk. Uh, and then, you know, they just caught fire too. They, they have great players. Brantley is, uh, and I think Riller went off too a little bit. Um, but Brantley is just a beast. He can score in and out. And, um, he was hit when he's hitting threes. I don't even know what you're going to do against that guy. Uh, he, <laughs> he went 12, 18 from the field four four from three and he's a big guy. So, uh, there's not much. They're the best team in the league. This is probably one I don't. I didn't really mind losing. I thought it was great that we hung in there as long as we did. Uh, they definitely, I'm sure, wanted to beat us since we beat them earlier in the season on the shocking win. So um, this one, I, 
you know, out of the four, this one is, you know, it is what it is to me. Just got beat by a better team. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I agree. Like, we did stick with him, Nick, for like 30 minutes about. And then with like 10 minutes left, it was like we went back to, I don't know, when we were really playing bad and we just had those lapses where the team just runs up and they're up 10 points within like a minute and a half or something. I don't know. It happened really quickly. And then from that point on, we didn't make any other runs. They just they just piled it on after that. There was there was no recovery then. We just uh, blew it at that point. But I mean, I, I'm encouraged that we can that we can stick with any team in this league, even on the road. Um, but there's just so many little details that just need to be cleaned up, and we need to play 40 minutes of good basketball, not 30, because it doesn't look good when it's only 30. Yeah, uh, and one thing I guess that when we played College of Charleston at home, Brandley had a decent game, but he didn't have a game like this. He could not find his three-point shot in that game. In this game, he he did. He went four for four from three. Uh, Grant Riller, we were able to somehow completely shut down when he, uh, we played at home. He seemed to have a much better game at Charleston. Uh, but when you keep Joe Cheely, who's one of their better players, to under 10 points, you'd think you'd uh, you know have a better game against this team. But I guess uh, uh, Nick Harris just showed up. I think Nick Harris was the beneficiary of guards driving and him being wide open. Yeah. <laughs> he was the K-cock over here, cleaning up. The- we get killed on the cleanup guy. The cleanup guy absolutely destroys us. Like, I don't know if we're not boxing out. Especially, we're getting we're not beat boxing off the dribble. <laughs> I think it's multiple things. It's We're not boxing out. We're getting beat off the dribble. We're not switching very good. And then that all leads to the cleanup guy getting dunks. And it's just frustrating that that effort isn't consistent. Like I, I don't mind as much like when you see like a Mike Morsell or Brantley, someone goes off and that's why you lose the effort not being there, especially in the next two games, I think is what's really concerning to me. And, you know, we said it in the last podcast and is, is this four game winning streak sustainable? And I think John Gruden said it absolutely is. I think Marshall said it's not. I think I said it depends on um, focus and, and effort, and, and we, didn't, we didn't have it. We lost something with Townsend, and I think it carried over. I said it depends on defense, and I think that's what these last four games have shown. So uh, we could jump to the next game because, like you said, College of Charleston, I don't think we were, any of us were really expecting a win. Well, quick question on yeah. them. I, I didn't watch the game. They, oddly enough, did not have it televised at the Tower of London. But <laughs> the uh, I'm looking at their overall record. They're 22-6. and six. 13-0 at home, 13-3 in conference, have won 10 in a row. If they end up in one of those positions where, let's say, they win out the rest of the way to the conference championship and lose, do they get an at-large bid? That would put them, like, 27-6, and 26-6. I think they do because they were getting looks before the season started. Everybody was expecting College of Charleston to be a good team. Out of the mm-hmm. top three mid-major teams, Gonzaga, which, again, like, they're going to make that list every year. College of Charleston was, I think... Second on that list. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a pretty high likelihood if they win out and then lose in the championship game in the CAA that they would probably get a bid. I disagree with that 100%. They're not going to get a bid. They got to win it. I'm looking at their uh, schedule. They didn't beat anybody. Yeah, I was just doing the same thing. Like they, don't, they don't have any really good wins. I mean, they're probably good enough to get in. Their record's good enough, but they don't have like a signature win. They played a couple teams. They lost to them. I would actually be pissed if they got in because they have a way worse resume than the two teams that we had that didn't get in. Yeah, I wasn't saying that I wouldn't be pissed if they got in. Yeah. But it would be our luck and their luck 
for them to make it in and for us not to have back then. Where we, I don't think they were, we were getting as many looks as they were before the beginning of the season uh, from those years. So yeah. that was what I'm considering. These, these guys are already pot committed, some of these guys that vote on these things. And now they feel like, oh, look, College of Charleston still, they have a great record. I don't think uh, they're going to do the, uh, they're going to not have the level of analysis that you hope they do. So it would be funny for Drexel to show up twice on bad losses for teams that are on the bubble <laughs> on Selection Sunday, Houston and Charleston, if neither That's of them right. win the conference championship. <laughs> Our name would be bad losses for both of them. I'm still amazed we beat Houston because they just pummeled Temple. Like they just Oh yeah. Temple is fully out of the conversation now after that loss. Yeah, they lost to Wichita State too, which they beat earlier, but I mean, Houston is actually a, a really good team. They're in the top 25 now. Houston is really good. Bracketology has them as a 9. Hey. By the way, it has Charleston as a 14 with the automatic bid. I mean, that's what's, that's what's, that's what's kind of crazy to me about this team. Like, I, I, I still think we have enough talent. It's just There's just so many little things that we don't do right that lead us to losing. But when we're actually hitting on full cylinders, it's actually a pretty, uh, I don't know, pretty good thing to watch as far as... Uh, at least on offense. I mean, I think that's the state of college basketball right now. You have, there are so many people who play this game at the high school, at the AAU level that have talent that they get into college. And there's enough talent across the 300 teams that you probably have 200 of them that are in the same level of talent that we have. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more here and there, but they just don't play well together. And that's, that's, what separates teams that make the dance and advance in the dance from ones that don't even make the CIT or CBI. Yeah, no, that's, that's a valid point. I guess we had a tough loss at home. We had a game uh, on the road that I don't think any of us really expected us to win. We knew College of Charleston would at some point come back and want their revenge on us. And then we uh, another game on the road, Northeastern. I thought this was the one game I was hoping we'd pick up on the road out of the three road games in a row. And it definitely looked like it was uh, going to be possible in the second half at times. We looked like the Townsend team at one point where we, we had the, they had a big lead on us. We made a nice little comeback and looked like we, were, we could actually switch the momentum to our side, but we couldn't just finish the deal there. I don't know. The, the defense is, is, is just terrible. <laughs> this, it, like, it degraded back to where it was early. I mean, they were just getting layups and open looks all over the place. I mean, that was actually for the last two games but um yeah I mean, we, we just couldn't get stops and I, I don't know we, we played all right again like offensively but again it's just the the defense is just frustrating to watch at this point when guards are just getting completely beat and then it, it sells the uh the interior players out because they they have to come help and then there's an extra man who's a bucket happens over and over again it's difficult to watch kirkley has been especially bad the last two games um defensively i don't know what he's doing He's, he's just letting his man get right by him. Um, it, it doesn't look quite as bad when Austin's in there, but he got injured again. Did he get injured in this game? Either either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, the guards were just, Kirkley especially, but Isabel has lapses too. Yeah, he had six turnovers. Like, uh, Isabel, this game, uh, it, was, it was painful at times to watch him. Yeah, this, this one, this was like a lot, it felt like a lack of effort to me. You know, I don't want to name names particularly, but just the the amount of dunks that they got, um, wide open dunks, was just was unacceptable. It's you know you can't win. You're not putting yourself. And on the other end, we're making good offensive plays. 
uh, Isabel really was playing very well. And he had to work for a lot of his buckets and he flashed his, his talent as we've all seen. It's it. And Harper played pretty well too. Harper's actually played good the last couple games. When you, it's just so disheartening to see a team have a great play. Our team have a great, really nice play to score a bucket. And then just to give up a dunk on the other end. Like I just, that's gotta be so as a fan, it's rough. It's gotta be even worse when you're playing. Like, I don't know how we re- resolve. Like we had it resolved and fell back into it. You know, I may, is this team like kind of, does it really get affected? Does the, does the snowball effect happen when one bad thing happens? Every, you know, everything else just goes to shit. I don't know, but it just seems like we, we lose our, our will to play defense. Yeah. And again, like you mentioned the snowball effect a little bit. So uh, some of that has to do, I would assume with like just coaching, but, do you guys think it's time for another team meeting and uh, some sort of other, a different haircut, maybe? <laughs> Do you think that'll help? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It t- I, I, it's kind of like, why do you have to have a team meeting? Like, all, I mean, can't somebody in the huddle just like, I've, I, I, I'm totally speculating, but just kind of re- reinforce positive behaviors that are going to help us win in the huddle or communicate. You know, things are going down. Keep your head up. I, I, I'm not really sure what's going on, but it looks like, you know, if we need to get a new haircut, let's get a new haircut. Is but, it that or is it defensive strategy? Like, do we need to get Bruiser on a conference call with this team? <laughs> and I like, can't imagine. I, I, you would think might, it might be that, Marshall, but we've actually seen glimpses of us playing good defense and switching. Yeah. Very, like in, the, in that homestand, like we were doing everything from a strategy standpoint that if I feel like, we would need to do, and then we just regressed and just forgot all of it. And we, we went to it's almost like when adversity hits, we just crumble. Who was that homestand against, though? It was against Elon, it was against James Madison, it was against Northeastern, and who was the fourth game? William and Mary. We smoked William and Mary. I don't think it, the, first of all, I don't think it has anything to do with who we play in this conference. This whole conference is completely almost near even, as, as near even as you could possibly have a CAA. Other than Delaware. They still suck. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, the, the last three games, uh, the Charleston, Northeastern, Hofstra, those are the top three teams in the conference right now. And I agree with you that there is no clear, runaway, amazingly talented team in this conference. But it would, it would make sense that we can run our defense better against a offensive, struggling team like JMU, or even Northeastern, who we know is very average, even though we just lost them, or Elon, versus... Charleston and William and Mary the second time. I don't know. We also, for some reason, just can't play away. From, we haven't been good on the road barely at all. Barely at all this year, especially in the once when we were in the conference. I mean, we haven't. I don't know how many games we've won on the road. I have to look it up. But we just haven't been very good on the road at all. We looked so. great at William and Mary. I think that was a one road game. That 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 was the exception to the rule that Bill's essentially talking about. Other than that, we've been really bad on the road. We beat LaSalle. Yeah, I'm talking more in conference, but we we have a almost I mean, beat I, I don't know exactly what it is, but the, the main problem I'm seeing is the guards are getting beat off the dribble. Kirk Lee to me was the biggest offender of these last two games at least. It's almost like having a five foot eight guard causes problems no, on defense. It's nothing to do with height, damn it. Shut up. <laughs> it has nothing to do with them being five foot eight, though. They're driving by him at will. There's not if they were just shooting over him, I'd be fully agreeing with you. Like, okay, five eight's a problem. Blowing by him, actually, yeah. no one should blow by him because he should be shorter and quicker than most most of these guys. So, 
I don't know what the problem is, but it, it sets up the entire rest of the defense to fail when one guy is just driving it. And it wasn't just Kirk. Isabel has his own lapses on defense, but Kirk to me is just, I don't know why his defense has been so bad the last couple of games. Well, if we're throwing defensive struggles in there, we have to talk about Troy as well. And maybe guys aren't blowing by him. I don't remember the X and O's of that, but him not even getting involved in some defensive plays. Yeah, I think the only one really I've noticed, like giving effort out there most of the time is Mojica. He seems at least on defense that he's um, at least trying mm-hmm. more than everybody else. I, I don't want to say everyone's not giving effort because I, I don't know if that's the case. They just, they're just terrible defense. I, I don't know what it is. But letting your man blow by you just, just creates havoc. And then the, the big men are just left out there to try and do something, and it just results in their man getting a dunk. It happens over and over. And I think sometimes Austin Williams can make up uh, a lapse for us, but there's no way Miles or Karen Enos are making that up for us. No, that, that's absolutely the case, Nick. That, that is exactly what kept happening in multiple games. Oh, Bill also brings up a good point in the sense that how are our smaller guards getting beat off the dribble? That's not where we think they could get beat. We would think they could get beat maybe because somebody can just take a shot and go over them. But we're somehow managing to lose in a way that you would think is a strength for us. So Austin Williams was huge in that sense where he was helping us clear uh, or keep, you know, just a, a second layer of defense in there. And he was a great off-the-ball defender. Yeah, there was, there was times in that Northeastern game where um, Pusica, or whatever his name is, was uh, posting up Kirk Lee. And, and that's, in that state, like, I can't really blame Kirk Lee too much if he's just, you know, getting back down and scored over. But that mm-hmm. happened, like, twice. Most of the time, it's just the guy who's just going by him. Like, I can't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've been trying to point this out to Nick, and it's kind of hard to explain what Kirk Lee does on picks. But when he gets picked, he almost leans into the pick or, like, goes into the pick and lets the guy just go the opposite way of the pick, just, like, straight away past him. And it happens over and over again. And I don't know who's teaching him to do this. He, he should be, like, slipping under the screen and not letting the guy do anything and, like, having someone else help him out. But Would you agree that bigger guards are able to get through a pick better than a smaller guard? They can muscle their way through it a little bit more. Marshall says, <laughs> "I know you're trying to sell that Kirk Lee's five six, and he does have problems because he's five six. I agree. He can't get a shot off sometimes, but this to me is not a problem for this particular case. He's just—I don't know. I, so you're like, saying it's, it's a will it's, thing? It's not his physical yeah, it's, abilities. It's like it's, 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 it's also a, will. a technique. It could be a technique issue. I, I don't know how he's come up with this thing he does when he gets picked. Like I've never seen anyone do this actually. Like you should either." You either go behind the screen or you just like, and you have someone help you out. I don't really know what this is. I don't know if anyone else has noticed it. I think Nick knows what I'm talking about now. Well, if it's a technique thing, then that falls on Spiker for not correcting. Yeah, I mean, uh, who knows if that's even what he's telling him to do. I'm not sure. The defense is baffling. It needs to get cleaned up. Like, I I think I said, like, um, you guys are saying that I said that this is sustainable. And I I agree, I I did say that. But I was saying basically that it's possible that we could sustain this level of defense because. You know, it's just simply a, an effort thing, and um, I wasn't saying it was definitely going to happen, which <laughs> it definitely did not happen. It completely collapsed back to what we were doing before. Uh, I, I think we've been mixing in the Hofstra game, and the, the last two games was very similar in the performance standpoint overall. I was hoping we'd beat Hofstra on the road, but uh, just because we were still kind of already talking about both these games together, what did you guys, like Alahan was another guy that was kind of missing. 
in the last two games. So what, what do you think happened to, for him to take a step back? Does he miss Austin too, I guess, because he's the only uh, offensive threat from a big standpoint? Because Tyshawn's definitely I don't think that. he's been as – he's not has, he hasn't been as aggressive. Um, and, you know, I just think from a team basketball standpoint, we've, we've lost a little in the last couple games. We've kind of just deferred to Isabel. Um, and that Wayman and Mary and, – and Kirk Lee's been not – I know he had 11 points, but I felt like it must have all came at garbage time because uh, it felt like he had almost zero points in this game. I think Alahan is someone that he feeds when the rest of the team is doing well because he's not super aggressive. Uh, he could be more aggressive. Maybe that would help us. Um, this game was like another weird game where these guys should have killed us, but they shot. They were atrocious from the free throw line. Uh, they shot 50% for the game. And out of, they left. They basically left over 20 points on the board at the free throw line. Uh, I mean, we couldn't get any rebounds. We couldn't stop Justin Wright Foreman. Um, their their terrible free throw shooting kept us in the game. Um, but you know, again, the, the defensive lapses uh, when Wright Foreman wasn't scoring, they were they, somebody was getting a rebound. It seemed like Goosty's had 17 rebounds. I mean, that's crazy. I know he's a big yeah. oaf. But. Yeah, but we made him look like freaking Kate Cockle. I don't think Miles knows how to box out. <laughs> Which mean. is insane for a senior big man. Also, he is jacked up. He's yeah. super jacked. He should yeah. be able to box out. He's bigger than Sammy was, yeah. and Sammy was amazing oh, yeah. at boxing Sammy just out. Had a I, mean, I mean, Miles played 20 minutes. He got five fouls, <laughs> he had two points, he, he had two rebounds. Down. I mean, that is, that is a stat line that's not going to be successful for your starting big guy. 20 minutes, two points, five fouls, and two rebounds. Yeah, well. yeah. I think he tops out at a high-energy guy off the bench, being relied on for too many minutes. Just his, his weaknesses are pretty glaring. Especially the last couple of games, he, wasn't, he hasn't even played that well. I, I'd rather Tottis in there at that point. He's not even doing anything. At least he brings like a three-pointer. <laughs> Tottis had his first block, didn't he, in the last uh, yep. was it the Northeastern game? I want to say. I don't know if it was his first block, but yeah, it probably might have no, been. In my mind, it was his first block. I'm sure <laughs> he had several blocks in your, in your dreams. Yeah, I, I mean, I reluctantly agree with Bill. Like, Tadis is a better option than Miles. It's not a great option, but it's better than Miles. I mean, he at least boxes out, and he actually can hit three. Yeah, he does bring he that. Though. He doesn't bring much else to the table as far offensively right now. I mean, we don't feed him in the post or anything, so, I mean, but he can hit a three. Tyshawn is basically, you can't even pass him the ball. He only gets buckets basically off free throws or offensive rebounds. Yeah, you, you could call him one-dimensional, but I don't know what that dimension would be. <laughs> so, it's difficult. Do we know Austin's prognosis? I have not heard an update. I know initially we knew it was not anything big, but I don't know since then uh, he's re-aggravated. It's an ankle thing, right? That's at least... It was the other ankle from what he hurt oh, really? against Towson, right? I thought I read that. So he was just overcompensating probably and hurt the other one now? I don't know. I don't want to speculate. No, I I saw the... I remember the play. Um, he... He got tangled up with somebody at Northeastern, and it kind of bent in a weird way. It didn't look good, but uh, I did hear, I I did hear, I thought that it was not super serious, but I'd, I'd like to know what the, I mean, this guy, I mean, Austin, I think more than anyone on the team, like we can be out Kirkley, and I think we might be okay. We could be out Harper, or even maybe Isabel. And be a little bit. We better have been out, Isabel, and be better off than without Austin Williams at this point. I, I mean, agree. like because we literally have no serviceable big man really. 
I mean, Austin Williams is like, he's not the best big man we've ever had at Drexel, but he's pretty good. But the next guy up is is not really even serviceable. Yeah, I think I think he's also just what the team needs, though, too, Nick, because our just because our defense is so bad from the guard position that his cleaning up is just essential. He doesn't even necessarily need to score. He just needs to be in there to clean up the mess. Yeah, and I think this is also, the Austria game is also another game where he went back to the old differential and it came to number of times he, he, the team got to the line cause, uh, and the foul differential overall, even though they were not able to capitalize on it. I, I don't th- they, they look like an old Drexel team shooting 50% from the free throw line. We should have kept uh, Hackett Goosties. He literally. Hackett Goosties? He was terrible. He had two air balls. And then <laughs> he airballed two of them. And then the other one, not, not even one of his free throws was even close. Like, he should have fouled him every time. And I think we did do that at one point in the second half. We should have kept doing it. I don't know why we didn't. We stopped doing it. We did it one time, and then we didn't do it again. It's not a classy way thing to do, Nick. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I want wins. <laughs> Um, that was some of the ugliest free throw shooting I've ever seen. I mean, that is really bad. <laughs> that was like, that is terrible. Like, that was the worst. I think Nicole could shoot better free throws than Goosties. I mean, it was so bad. <laughs> we really should have just kept fouling him until we made one. Who's going to, like, look down? Would you really be, do you think we'd be looked down upon? No, no, please. Nobody's even watching CAA games, so <laughs> probably not. Uh, I think it's it's probably more of a case that we just don't have enough guys to foul that. Yeah, it, it down to that. Just put Doy in there. Yeah, Doy's. Couldn't just... we bring in Doy or Overton or somebody? Like, <laughs> yeah, Overton's I... been missing. Why he may as well do know. something productive. Is Overton suited up even for the last games? Like, is he is he or is he still visibly injured? I, I think he was suited know. up. Okay. I think he was suited up last game. Okay. I mean, I don't. I have no idea what it is, but I don't know if he's going to even play for the rest of the year. Man. Uh, so, you know, you guys brought up a point as you we were going through this that just stuck with me. Last year, Rodney kind of was the clear leader he had. Uh, I think he was a senior. Uh, he was, even whatever Nick says, he was one of the better players on the team. Uh, <laughs> he might have only made the third team CAA. but Still uh, a travesty. Yeah, yeah, still a travesty, but he was clearly the leader on the team. This year, uh, even when we first went to the pre- like season event, uh, the there were seniors there, and then there was Kirk Lee. So Spiker brought out Kirk Lee to the preseason event. With everybody else over there seemed to be seniors, and I think he mentioned all oh, even during when he was giving his little speech how Kirk Lee's going to be switching into more of a leadership role on the team, and, I, and which made perfect makes perfect sense. He had an amazing freshman year. He seems I wouldn't say amazing. He had a solid. He had a solid freshman year. Okay, but hold, my, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gruden's pissed. No, it's, Chucky, not a, happy. I mean, uh, it might not have been amazing, but it was better than the Marshall. The guy broke the freshman assist record at Drexel. I agree with Marshall. Solid, not amazing. <laughs> oh my god! Breaking if it was amazing, solid. If it was amazing, we would have had more wins. Yeah, this is like this is Nick's philosophy that. A good player cannot possibly be on a bad team. Yeah, that that that's says says LeBron's biggest fanboy ever. <laughs> Nick's only played on soccer teams that had all shitty players. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so the, the, so currently it seemed like he was poised at least from what Spiker wanted him to be to be the leader. Um, then as uh, the off season kind of before that though during the off season we we started hearing uh, from some of the off season interviews we had that Tremaine Isabel is going to be a force, right? He's going to be an incredible player. And he's, you know, on the court, he seems to be an incredible player. I can't, I can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that I might not always agree with. Wait, some wait, of the... hold on, hold on, Leon. This <laughs> team stinks. Isabel stinks. Just, just a point of reference from next point of view. Go this ahead. team is a lot better than last year's team. Are, are we doing a winning record, Marshall? Uh, no. The team is not very good. Isabel cannot possibly do to your logic. I, that's not my logic. That's Nick's logic. Oh, Nick's logic. That's what I'm saying. We were talking, first of all, we were talking about last year's team, not this year's team. Do we want to talk about the, We can talk we're about talking about team. your philosophy in general. <laughs> about <laughs> good players not being able to be on bad. I mean, I'll, I'll double down on Nick's philosophy for him. We know that Trill has talent. We've seen it. He's had great games, but he's also had some bad games. He's also missed a lot of games. Maybe we win some of those games that he was missing. Yeah, and on. this year's, I mean, right now we're tied for last, but we're in position to... Be last? No, no. <laughs> We've got two home games against two of the, the bottom half teams that we should win, which would propel us to not being last. So if you guys don't mind, can I just finish the point I was trying to make? Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's okay. I know, I know, I know, you know, he was clearly set to be a leadership role. Tremaine comes in. Uh, he's clearly having a great year. He, hopefully he's still here next year. There's Austin's a senior this year, right? Austin Williams is a senior. Uh, Tyshawn's a senior. Miles is a senior. But really, the only senior that's getting any actual minutes was Austin. Mojica. He, well, good point. Sorry, Mojica. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot. But Mojica's a senior. But neither of those two guys, to me, strike me as guys that on the, are generals on the floor. Austin and Sammy? Yeah. They seem... Yeah. And, and, and that's nothing... Not every, Everybody's personality is different. Yeah, so nothing can be I'm not taking away anything from their performance. But neither of them seem to be that. Maybe... Maybe they are, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're. But my concern is that this year, one thing that's been clear is between there is a little bit of a uh, leadership vacuum. Uh, I don't want to call it a power struggle, but when it comes to the team, in the beginning it seemed like it was Kirk's team. Then when we started going on a four-game winning stretch over there, it was clearly a Tremaine team, and it seems to have continued to be a Tremaine team to a certain extent, but not with the same results in the last four games. Is that a talent Tremaine team, or is that a he's actually leading? Tremaine. Uh, as in, yeah, more talent, really, because I don't think, uh, I don't necessarily know what was discussed in the offsite meeting and yeah. the shaving of the fro. Uh, but, but even I'm just from just, what I'm we see on the court. What, what I'm seeing on the court is he's getting a lot more active. He's, there's a lot more active participation. He's bringing the ball up more than he mm-hmm. was before that. Uh, some of that, when he wasn't turning the ball over, was translating pretty well. But now when he has his own struggles with the turnovers, uh, it's not the same. So do you guys, so... This year is pretty much done. We've got two games to be able to talk about the predictions in a few minutes. This leadership gap, do you guys see that being resolved? I don't see it being resolved this year because I think it's too late of the season. Do you guys see that being resolved next year, assuming we keep the same roster? Or do you think this leadership concern is something that's going to just be ongoing? I, I don't even know. It's If Tremaine stays on, he's still clearly the most talented player on the roster. Uh, I don't know what his leadership... Uh, style would be some guys might just need to be a senior and be the elder on the team in order to do that we also forget that Tremaine didn't play last year for us so it's mm-hmm. hard for someone to step in in their first year on the court and assume that leader so I mean I would love it if if a he stays because he's our best player b if he decides as a senior to step into that role um but I don't know it, there's there's so much psychology that goes into that type of stuff that we're not privy to how the team dynamic. Yeah, is. I'm not. I'm not sure either, Marshall. I mean, it did seem like early in the year. I mean, you think it would be Kirk Lee's team coming in, 
But then there's obviously something with him and Isabel. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but they do seem to struggle playing with each other, probably because they both want the ball in their hands all the time. Um, so I don't know if that's just caused some problems, and it hasn't really it hasn't really led to any any good leadership this year, mainly because like I don't know Kirk's trying to take over, and Isabel's the one who's producing the most. So it, I think it's causing an issue. But next year, maybe it'll be Isabel's team coming in, just because he's a senior and. He's obviously the most talented player on the team, and you know maybe maybe others will fall in line there. So it'll it'll be interesting to see, but I'm not overly hopeful on I don't know, the leadership being outstanding next year either. I think it's pretty hard for a transfer. I think they can to be a leader, uh, especially like Marshall said, it's his first year here, uh, and we only know we only, Spiker knows we only have him for one more, and the player himself knows we only, he's only here one more. I think it's hard. I think. Uh, that's probably why we look to Kirk for that. Uh, you know, I, I do we get somebody next year? Uh, you know, maybe Isabel's second year being back and he, he's a little bit more comfort and he's in a little bit more comfortable situation. Like he can kind of step up. He doesn't really seem to be uh, super vocal on the floor unless I'm missing it. Um, no, you're right. We've had guys in the past that have been way more vocal on the floor, telling guys what they need to do or getting at guys. I'd say the most vocal person on the court sometimes is Troy. Yeah. Not necessarily always in something I agree with him, <laughs> but he seems to be more of a talker than... I don't know, Bill, do you want to add uh, leadership to your Tadis Kyrenas upside? <laughs> <laughs> Can he speak, he speak English? Leadership yeah. <laughs> Why is that required to be a leader? No. <laughs> I guess it's not. I mean, it's we'll certainly take, not we'll for the U.S. We can, we'll take anything we can get at this point. I mean, I don't think we've had a true leader in the last couple of years. So, and how great have those last couple of years been? I thought Rodney was a good leader. I, I disagree with that statement. I thought Rodney was a good no. leader. I, you know, I, can, I'm not going to put the crappy season we had last year because of Rodney's leadership. Yeah, we're, so, we're also so looking, me, we're, we're, so we're discussing I, leadership on the court. We also have to think about leadership that we wouldn't even be privy to guys who are leading by example, getting into the weight room first. To yeah. And if we had a conversation first. with major and Rodney, uh, like we got a, we had a uh, pleasure of having, you could tell from majors just conversation about Rodney and how, and he, how, while on, you know, he, he was doing decent on the court too, but off the court, he was a true leader. He was definitely one of the first people to call Spike when he first got hired. He was, Definitely playing the part of like this is the team I want to carry on my shoulders, and he did a lot of that. Of course, it's a first transition year of a new coach, completely new different style of play. It's a senior year; you're not going to get, uh, you, you know, you're not. You might have a good team as a, you might have a good season as a team, or you might have a bad season. And we had a horrible season last year. And fortunately, based on that, I'm not going to say Rodney wasn't a good leader, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just would have looked for more wins from good leadership. I, but I, I know, uh, I know what you look for. In, in pretty much your so, defining. I mean, we don't we don't have to talk about last year. I know that's well documented. But I, I don't. <laughs> you know, it looked for a second that Kirk and Isabel finally clicked the William and Mary game, and we lost that. How do we get it back? I don't know. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm, I mean, I'm hope, hoping we get like at least one or two more wins on the season. But I mean, this, this, there's not much hope in this season. We just have to hope they figure out for next. Get the defense sorted out. Get the little things, and then hope they compete for the top of the, the league. There's a lot of hopefulies there, but <laughs> I, that would be quite a turnaround to potentially be tied for last place to then compete for top of the league. But tied for last place might be a temporary thing. To, uh, the next point from before, 
So two games left, two home games left, playing two of the teams that are in the bottom with us, UNC Wilmington, uh, which I think is seventh, uh, and uh, Delaware, which we're tied with at ninth. So uh, two home games, too. I, I, I think we have to win this out, so I'm going to go positive 2-0. and oh. Marshall, where do you put us? Well, everyone knows I don't predict us to lose against Delaware, so that's one win. Uh, I don't know. I think we're going to end up losing to UNCW. I'm going to say one and one. One and one. Okay. Bill. I want to say two and oh, but I'll go one and one. Come on, Bill. Join me in the two and oh, please. I'll go one and one just to be safe. Who are you safe from? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just, I've I've been, I don't know, overly, overly positive sometimes. Safe from the mockery. Okay. (laughs) I I get it. I get it. Nick? Oh and two. Oh and two. Dang. Is Is that coming from the heart, Nick? Is that 0-2 from the heart? From the heart. Oh, yeah, let's not forget that on the last episode, Bill jinxed Nick's uh, prediction, <laughs> which is why let's the move reverse. On yeah. Oh, I haven't forgotten. Let's move on. <laughs> the North remembers. So I, I think uh, I did want to cover one other topic, but before that, I just wanted to uh, mention that uh, we this we have a couple of games coming up, right? We have a game on Thursday, which is... Uh, the men's game, I forget which one is first, UNC or Delaware. But Delaware. It's Delaware on Thursday. They have a game on Saturday. And on Friday, the women play uh, JMU, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a big game. Yeah, they're number one in the conference right now. They're number right one now. in the conference. So uh, if you're listening, and if you, I think uh, Marshall made the case on the Slack channel. So do you want to just make your case again, Marshall? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're playing great. They just held a team to 34 points uh yesterday uh we're recording this on monday on sunday they played william and mary held them to 34 points which i believe is the lowest that they've had in years i'm i'm not fully sure on that i thought i heard that but it's back-to-back 20 win seasons now for them uh they're undefeated at home uh both non-conference and conference they they deserve the support can certainly use against jmu um, I know a couple got people who don't normally go to women's games are planning to be there. So uh, hopefully we can get that turnout for that and then also uh, convert that into a win. But even if not, um, we still have a good chance to win this thing by hosting the tournament at the DAC this year. I know, I'm definitely going to be there. Uh, and I, I, I got to get in touch with uh, somebody from the athletic department. I don't know what the easiest way for a season ticket holder is for, I think because I just have the men's season. Did you buy the women's and the men's? or No, because okay. I was living in L.A. most of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get individual game tickets Yeah, so at I guess I'll just buy some individual game tickets. Yeah, we're usually able to sit in the same section that we oh, had before. I, I'm more worried about the CAA tournament ticket books because uh, I want to try and maintain our normal seats for that. But I think yeah, that that some awesome. of them might be sold already. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. Uh, Bill, Nick, you guys uh, going to make it to that game? I don't think I want to make Friday's game. Uh, I think I'm I think I plan on coming down Thursday. I'll probably come down Saturday. I don't think I can do Friday. I'll stay the entire weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. literally what we were talking about on the last episode. <laughs> I'm putting in the effort. Yeah, Marshall's putting in the effort. Yeah. We're, we're living right. You know, we're coming the whole 20 minutes away. I still technically live in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, see if, if if you guys are listening, and uh, you know, all four of you, but. Uh, <laughs> If you guys can make it to the game, I'm sure the girls would appreciate it. The ladies would appreciate it. The what is it like? They're pretty much doing everything that we are asking of our men's team right now to do: play better defense and yeah. We're, we're talking about like leadership and things <laughs> like that on the guys team. I was I I'll, I'll talk more about this on the special podcast that we're going to do about the women's team heading into the tournament, so that fans can get a primer of what to look for with that team. But I had the opportunity to uh, sit in on their practice on Saturday before 
uh, their game against William and Mary. And it was really insightful to see how Denise runs that practice. Um, but the, the team doesn't have a standout star the way they have in past years, or even uh, two uh, standout stars. It's really a team effort. Uh, and it's, it's good to see that, like, they don't need to have that superstar, um, like the equivalent of Tremaine on the guys team and they're winning a lot regardless. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. There's one team in blue and gold is actually doing what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. So get out there and support them. Uh, the last thing I had, uh, unless you guys had something else was I just wanted to briefly mention, cause there was some discussion on this in the Slack channel after the Towson game. Uh, just going back to something that has been a little concerning for us all year, where Towson seemed to have about uh, maybe definitely louder fans in the end than uh, Drexel did. And they're having a better year, but they're still a middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, I know Baltimore is only like an hour and a half away, so it's not that bad of a commute for people coming up from Towson, but it was still a little disappointing that we still seem to be struggling to get people out to games when we were at we were at that point. We were we had a four game win stretch yeah. going. Uh, so I don't know if you guys had anything to add as far as uh, I know winning changes everything. I'm not again. I don't. You know, I believe that to a certain extent. I think it's easier but harder at the same time with social media to get people to be aware of games. But I don't know what else we could do. And I know there's people that the athletic department is going to do their part too. Have to do their part too. But and if you guys had anything to add with. But especially from that experience, that Towson game was just disappointing. Yeah, I, I, we talked about it a little bit last week, how the getting students out is a completely different issue than getting alumni out. Mm-hmm. I think alumni, getting alumni out is harder uh, for a number of reasons. Getting students out should not be difficult. It hasn't been difficult in the past it, for whatever reason is these last two years. But for alumni to come out, it takes a concerted marketing effort from the athletics department. Uh, and it also takes a, a good team. There are some people who just will never show up unless the yeah. team is good. I get that. But we should be able to at least crack a 1,000 people a game, and the fans that are there should be able to get loud, when, especially when an opposing fan base is basically challenging us in our own building yeah. by getting loud. And the alumni question, like Bill and Nick are exceptions rule. They live two hours away, and they still make it down to most home games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be more alumni that live in the area within like a half hour oh, around the city for sure are. that we have to be able to get to the games. And I think some of that also comes down to, uh, you know, if your team's not like, of course, the athletic department needs to do something from a marketing standpoint. Sure. But it also has to be a little cost conscious to make people like make it like make it into an event is what we always say. Right? Oh, yeah. Even the best uh, DAC back years that we had sometimes it was an event to go to a basketball. It was an event before the basketball game mm-hmm. sometimes. So I don't know, Bill or Nick, you guys are the ones that actually come two hours away. I mean, with us is like if it wasn't for you guys all also like we're all friends and we're all still hanging out. Like I probably wouldn't. Well, it was just myself that was interested. I probably wouldn't go by myself if I lived two hours away. So it helps to have like the camaraderie, you know, I, I think from a, an alumni standpoint, we're actually better than we were when I was in school, at least from what I could observe when I was a student. Like, I don't remember being much of an alumni presence at all. Now we have like at least a little group of people. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much us. <laughs> us, you know, Rob and Joe. No, I meant Lassa is in the yeah, group, all, bigger okay, Slack group. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But no, um, there's definitely a gap in years. I think people who have experienced good years and who are fit, like dedicated fans during good years 
are more likely to come to games during bad years. People who were casual fans throughout, maybe they came to games as a student but weren't huge about Drexel basketball, they're probably only, they probably won't come out, but if they do, it's probably only going to be when the team is good. I think um, you're right, partially on that, Marshall, because I think it is hard to get alums because if they're not fans when they're in school, they're sure as hell not going to come to the game if they're alumni. Um, so, I mean, you have to continue to build the fan base from the students and, and keep going from there because even the retention rate there, if it's like a 1% retention rate of, of DAC Packers and we only have you know five of them now or however many there are, it, it becomes a problem. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, again, if the team wins and wins consistently, which we haven't done in years now, and a NCAA tournament run would be essential mm-hmm. eventually, uh, then you start getting people knowing not just the casual fan, getting like that casual fan who doesn't really know whether you're good or not unless you make that NCAA tournament. So I don't know. And, until we're consistently good, I think it's going to be just going to be a struggle. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot of marketing, you can do whatever you want, but if you're putting a crappy product out there, it's going to be a hard sell. It will be a struggle, but I do think that we should be able to, between students and alumni together, be able to get at least 50% capacity of a 2,500-seat arena on a season like we're having. Uh, And then once you're at 50%, figure out a way to get them loud so that a team like Towson fans don't take over the DAC with their 30 people that they brought. Yeah, see more than 30. I think they had more than that, but they were loud. And they they got some momentum there and mm -hmm. they got into Just a note on that. Zane Martin's from Philly, so um, they probably had some contingent from the supporting. Yeah, guy. but it's not like uh, Kirk Lee being from Baltimore had got us any more fans when we were down. Well, Dallas. I'm sure Preston went and was <laughs> creating a ruckus. <laughs> uh, yeah, even we can do a better job. We have a bigger group of friends that end up going to the CA tournament. Yeah, and they don't go to most of the games, mm-hmm. and that's because it's become more of a social event yeah. uh, when it comes to hanging out with old friends. And it, uh, even though a lot of that originated from Drexel basketball, some mm-hmm. of it at least. So. It's uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a process, but like you know, winning changes everything. So you know, if we can continue to find games like our uh, play games like we did during that four game win stretch, I think we'll win a lot more games. Just a side note: uh, Wagner Bashir Mason's team is currently tops in their conference. Oh wow! Uh, he's been doing some. He's had what three years now where they're basically in first place. I don't know. He had that one year where they won a bunch of games and they lost in their conference final and uh, and didn't make it. What conference today again? I want to look that up. NEC. Yeah. It's a Northeast conference. Yeah, Northeast. So um, they're they're far and away the best team there. They're twenty and seven. The next best team has like sixteen wins right now. It's not obviously not a great conference. They didn't really beat anyone of note out of conference, but good for Bashir to have a winning. Program. No, I'm very excited for Bashir. I would I would love a coach that can beat teams in conference and be in first place. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying, uh, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I hope they pull it off. I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for him. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs>